0: The kids can head out to children's church, and I got to tell you, it took Cade months to get ready for that video, get that buff. I He lost it last night. I don't know what happened. That ad was actually a, a little promo video, a little teaser video for um, uh, next next month, in March. Our uh, sermon series is going to be on supplements. Uh, the point being. It, the passage that we're reading, that is in Second uh, Peter chapter one, right after it talks about the divine power, we'll reread it here in a moment. But after it talks about the divine power, he goes on and he says, "Now add to your faith, now supplement to your faith these things." And so it just made sense that uh, as we are wrapping up our discussion this morning on what power is and what divine power in us is. It made sense to me that that if the passage moved from power to maintaining that power to supplementing that power, well, that's exactly what we do, right? People that go and work out and try to get buff and try to get bigger, they take supplements to aid them in their growth of power. So it just made sense. We're going to be talking about spiritual supplements starting uh, next week. But we get to wrap up this morning the, the topic and the discussion on Power, this divine power that is within us. Last week we talked about energy. First week was authority. Second week capacity. So authority, the right to do something. Capacity, the ability to do something. Energy, the power, the 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 uh, energy to do to do that thing. And then we're going to talk this week about what it is that we have to discuss. I want to go to Second Peter chapter one verses three through four and read our uh, month-long passage together one last time. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his great precious and very great promises that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now, we have spent a lot of time on the first part of that passage talking about that divine power, but it hinges on something. Not just whether we have the authority to do it from God. Not just whether we have the ability to do it from God. Not just whether we have the energy to do it from God. Because the last line of this passage tells us what the fourth thing that we have to have in order to fully exercise the power of God. The one thing that it all really, really hinges on. If everything else is right and this thing is wrong, it won't work says, we've escaped the corruption that is in the world. So the question is, have we? And that leads us to this fourth point we're talking about today. You and I, in order to have strength, in order to have power, we must have integrity. Integrity. not just It's one thing, man. I mean, we see people that, that, that take the authority to do something, right? They, they have the capacity to do it. They have the energy to do it. But then they do it with no integrity. Now, for many of you, you're thinking integrity, you know, in, in integrity probably means, uh, well, like what, well, like we do with our kids. I'll look at my kids, and I try, to, I try to instill integrity in my children. I'm trying to instill integrity in myself. Let's be honest. And most of the time, when we talk about integrity, we're referring to uh, the topic of honesty. That we, you know, uh, 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 say what you mean, mean what you say, those kinds of things. Be honest. Don't cheat. Uh, that's great. And, and, and that is integrity but integrity is bigger than that and after looking at all the definitions and trying to piece together in my mind all of the different ways that we can understand what what it is that is integrity um here here's here's how i've summed it up it's the integrity is best defined as the union the merging of consistency and reliability when those things come together you have integrity. Now maybe you're sitting there going, Well wait a minute, consistency that isn't isn't that reliability? No, no consistency means means sameness. It means that what it means that you do not change, you do not alter. You are what you are, you are what you've been made, okay? Um, and then the reliability comes in in that others can place the trust in you. So when we use the example of being honest. When we tell our kids that they need to have integrity, we mean uh, being honest. That's fair. It is fair, right? We're saying you need to always be honest, no matter what the situation is, and people need to be able to trust your words. They need to be able to rely upon your truthfulness. But man, integrity goes a lot further than just honesty. We need to have integrity in our jobs. Our work needs to be consistent, It needs to be the best that we have to offer. We don't slack any day. It needs to be the same. What we have all laid on the table and those who are above us need to know that they can rely upon us to get the jobs and the tasks that they assign to us done. That's what integrity is. It is consistency and reliability. It It is what strength is. Are you unchanging... And can you withstand the pressure? Because that's what reliability means, right? Consistency means being the same. Reliability really means withstanding the pressure. That when when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, you don't change. You're reliable. You're trustworthy. Now, I sat there asking myself, what's the best example that I could give in, in, in my mind to, to try to uh, communicate what I uh, am trying to communicate with this concept of integrity and that's a bridge. You look at these massive bridges and we drive over bridges every day and we do not think a thing about it. Most of well, most of us we drive over them and we we just trust that the bridge has integrity, meaning that the bridge is not going to change while we drive over it. That would be a good, it's a good thing if it stays the same. We want the bridge to stay the same while we drive over it. And we want it to be reliable. We want it to stay where it is. We want to be able to trust it. Now, you might sit here and think, well, but wait a minute, how is a bridge powerful? Well, it is. And we rely on the power that is built into a bridge. It withstands tremendous pressure. Day after day, all throughout the day, the weight that it bears and it doesn't buckle. That is power. So we're going to be looking at this. But I wanted to ask this question. In each of the lessons so far, we started with authority and we realized that God has all authority, right? He has the right to do whatever he wants to do. That's one of the the first and fundamental things of, of, of faith is realizing that God has the authority to, not just the ability, he has the authority to do whatever he wants to do. If he wants to snap his fingers and I'm gone, he has the authority, he has the right to do so. He has all authority. Any authority we have is only borrowed from him. We talked about the capacity. What is it that God cannot do? There is nothing God cannot do. He can do anything. And then he shares that capacity with us. He expands our capacity through his Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. But he is the one that holds all capacity. What is there that someone else can do that he cannot? There is nothing. Then we get to energy. God is all energy. On a Wednesday night we've been talking about this. Everything that moves, moves because he he makes it move. He is energy. Any ability, any power, anything you have, anything, it all comes from Him. Even the spirit of life, we talked about this last week, the spirit of life that is inside of you, and it's like a battery, it wears down. Still, even this energy that I use to move and that you use to pay attention and to walk in and out of doors and to do everything you do, all of that energy, it is still borrowed from Him. It's not yours, and eventually, as Christ did on the cross, you're going to give it up. Well, God has all power, but... For those of us who have accepted Christ, he places inside of us his Holy Spirit. That's the, oh man, that is the best part because we become a new creature, a new creation. A spiritual person. Not a flesh person, but a person of spirit. Spirit. Even so, that when we die, though the body perishes and goes into the ground, Paul tells us that when we are resurrected, we will be resurrected with a body, but it will not be a body of flesh. It will be a spiritual body. We are a new spiritual creation. You are two in one right now. You've got the flesh, the old person that is supposed to be crucified with Christ, that every day we lay down and we live in the Spirit. Come to integrity, does God have all integrity? If we define integrity as that which does not change, and that which is reliable, is our God integrity. Hebrews 1, verses 10 to 12. And you, Lord, this comes from Psalms, and you, Lord laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years have no end. This is an important part of the Entire Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament. Maybe you said it and you go, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It's an absolutely big deal. Because from the beginning to the end, God constantly refers to himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the originator and the ender, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. We are told that his promises are true. That he never fails. What he says comes to pass. No, God has all integrity. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whatever he promises you will happen. Absolutely. No, he's got all integrity. Now, if he has all authority and he has all capacity, and he has all energy, and he has all integrity, then we come to the conclusion and the realization that our God is all-powerful. All-powerful. There is nothing outside of him. This God has placed this divine power in you. That's incredible absolutely incredible so as we have talked about how that divine power comes through us through authority through capacity and through energy now we're asking ourselves how does integrity play a role in my exercising of God's power because if it is if, if everything hinges on that then it must hinge on that in me as well Having integrity. As Christians, there are three things I want you to realize. The first thing is, is that having integrity means being incorrupt. Being incorrupt. I expect my car to have integrity. Not that it's honest with me. But that it does the same thing every time I'm in it. I, right? Anyone wants surprises when you get in your car? No. I expect my car to do, what I, do whatever it's supposed to do, and I expect it to be reliable, to do it when I need it done. And yet, how many times has this ever happened to you? You've gone outside. This happened when I was, especially when I was younger. You go outside, you've got an older car, and you go, and you turn it, you turn it over, and, and you can hear it cranking, but nothing's happening. So you get out of the car, you go, pop the hood, open it up. If you're like me, you have no idea what you're looking at unless it's this problem and it's so obvious. You look down at the battery. And there on the terminals, what might you find? I'm asking a question. What would you find? Corrosion. Corruption. Yeah? But corrosion is the the same thing aggravation you, you got that right you see when they were made they were pure metal the terminals the attachments all of it and when they're pure and when they're when they're exactly what they're supposed to be the energy moves through it smoothly without disruption But as that corrosion sets in, if it's allowed to stay there, it will slowly seep into the cracks that are in between it, and it stops the energy from being able to get through. And I have gone out with hammer and screwdriver and had to knock off the corrosion. And that's not gentle. You don't sit there and go, please move corrosion. You take it and you whack it off. Knock it out of there. You break it apart and you remove every piece of that corrosion because it is preventing the power from getting to the engine where you need it. It's all like this. Any corruption prevents the power from moving. So in Galatians 6, 8, here's what Paul says. Do not be deceived. So this is his way of saying, if you think, it's a nice way of saying, if you think this, you've got a problem. God is not mocked. I hear it as God will not be mocked. It's the same thing. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap what? Corruption. But to the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit he will reap eternal life. Church, as a Christian, you are a battery that God has a symbol. I mean, you're, you're, you're a fine-tuned engine, and, and everything's hooked up, and the energy, he's ready to start using you. But do not be deceived. If you take this life, even as a Christian, and you corrupt it, you put into yourself that which is fleshly and of the world, you will lose the power of God and its ability to move through you. The corruption, the corrosion, prevents the energy from moving. Now, a lot of times when Jesus talks about the sowing and the reaping, he's talking about us going out and sowing in the world, meaning we go out, we preach the word of God, and that's planting seeds, and and then they are the fruit. That's not what this is. The field in this passage is you. If you are planting the flesh in your mind and in your heart, if what you are watching and listening to and reading, if the people that you are around and enjoy, if you are putting into this field that which is corrupt, do not be deceived. What you get from planting that is corruption. It's just a simple truth. But if you plant that with is spirit, if you set your mind on things above, that's what we're told to do, right, in Colossians, set your mind on things above. Whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, think on those things. That's what's important. Because whatever goes in is what comes out. If you sow to the spirit, that's what comes out. If you are thinking about hope and love and grace and mercy, guess how you're going to treat other people. With grace and mercy, with righteousness, with hope. What goes in is what comes out. And I'm afraid there are way too many Christians, and I'm talking not just here, I'm not talking here, okay, I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not, I don't have any person in mind, I'm talking about in the world. There are way too many of us who have decided that, you know what, we can sit here and we can still love the world and be a Christian we can still do the things we used to do, enjoy the things we used to enjoy in the flesh, and it isn't going to make a difference. But I am telling you this morning, Paul is telling you right there, if you put corrosion in, you are preventing the power of God from moving through you. Do not suppose that you will do anything of importance or anything of value in the name of Christ because you will not be able to. And this goes back to what we were talking about last week. This thing, this revelation, this thing that I... I don't know how I missed it for so long, but this this reality that there are two me's. There is an old self. I mean, he says it over and over again, but I, I never quite got it, that there literally is an old creation in me, this flesh, that still, still wants the fleshly things that I used to want, that used to matter to me, that used to be important, that I used to go after. And then there is a spiritual self. See, the spiritual self with the Holy Spirit, when he came into me, I became a new and different living creature, a new person, a new soul, a new existence inside of this old one. And every day, every moment, I have to decide which of these two I'm going to live in. And I'm not supposed to live. I'm not. I'm not supposed to live in the flesh and make it obedient to Jesus. I'm supposed to crucify the flesh, get rid of it, get rid of it. Just live in the Spirit. That's why Paul says if you live in the Spirit, if you follow the Spirit, you won't gratify the flesh. If you're you're in this mode... You won't go over to the other. And the key, the key. You will be the one that you fill yourself with. That old, that old uh, parable where the guy talked about the two dogs that were in him—an angry one and a better one, I don't know, good one. We're going to use the example of a spiritual one, a holy one, a righteous one, and a wicked one. Which dog grows? Which dog becomes who you are? It's whichever one you feed, right? Whatever you feed, whatever you put in is what will come out. Church, if you are not seeing the power of God manifest in your life, It's not because He has not increased your capacity and it is not because He has not given you authority. It is not because He has not offered you all the energy to accomplish it. There is only one reason that you do not see the power of God manifest in your life and that is corruption. You're not clean. You're putting in what you should have been knocking off. 2 Timothy 3.15. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, boastful. Are arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Pause. He's not talking about the world. The world has always been that way. The world will always be that way. He is talking about Christians. And when we get to the last part of it. Having the appearance of godliness while denying its power. If we as a Christian go after the things of this world, what we will find is that we may look really good to other people and we may present, we may say the right words around the right people, we may even do the right things. But in the end, it doesn't matter. We have the appearance of godliness while the power of God never ever actually moves through us. We go through our life and no one around us ever looks and says, Why are you different? No one, ever, no one in our life is ever affected or impacted because of a light that is shining within us. No, we look right. We say the right things. We check the right boxes, went to church, got baptized, da, 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 right down the list. We got it all. That is the appearance of godliness. But if that corruption is in you, and this is what he's saying right there in Timothy, if that corruption is in you, you might look good, but you have nothing. Nothing. Shouldn't be surprising, Jesus talked about this. He says, you guys, he's talking to the Pharisees, you guys are whitewashed tombs. You're rocks, and I mean, you shine, you're bright, the light's glaring, it's blinding us, you're so amazing. But if I dig just a little below the surface, you're just dead bones, buried in the ground. Where He talks about the bowl. He says, you've got a, a bowl that's clean on the outside but dirty on the inside. It's not usable. Clean the inside. Then it's usable. Corruption. Keeps you from power. So on the back, I'm not promising that I'm going to do this every time, so don't think that. I did it this week. On the back of the little sermon notes. It's called set your mind on things above. So whenever I do it, that's what it's going to be called. Because the admonition and the hope is, is that you will go and do it. There's three days. You'll do the reading, and you can use the thoughts. You don't have to use the thoughts. You do the reading, and it's going to connect what we've been talking about throughout the week. To set your mind on things above during the week. The first one, the first day's assignment is 2 Peter 2, 17 to 22, if you're willing to do it. And it's going to talk about corruption and being incorrupt and the call for purity. So I invite you to do that during the week. Second thing, other than being incorrupt, is undivided. Undivided. There was a guy at our last church, his name was Jody. I love Jody. He was our worship singer, and that guy went nuts. When he was up, I mean, I'm I'm I'm, oh my goodness. He was almost got loony sometimes. High energy, really outgoing. And he was a mechanical engineer or structural engineer. Don't necessarily connect those two, but his job was to go and inspect bridges. And he would go and look at bridges, and you know what he was looking for? Cracks. Cracks. Why? What does a crack demonstrate? What is a crack? a divide in what would otherwise be solid. It's a break. It's a weakness. Cracks have to be repaired or they get bigger over time and eventually remove all of the power from the structure. When you and I have a divided mind or divided heart, We are like a a cracked bridge. When the pressure is applied, we don't know when we're going to break. Jesus says it this way, Mark 3, 24 to 25. If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, the house will not be able to stand. And then in Matthew six twenty four, Jesus said, "No one can serve two masters; either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other." You you cannot love God and money. Basically, now I, I want to put this in context that so we think, "Oh, it's got God and money." Yeah, exactly. Do you want the power that God offers, or do you want the power that money offers? Because in, let's be honest, the power in this world comes from money. Which power do you want to wield? You cannot serve both. I was going to do an example. I was going to come over here on this side. I was going to have one of you stand up, but then I wasn't sure if anyone would do it. I was going to put a $100 bill right here. I was going to walk over to this side of the stage. And over here I was going to put a $100 bill. And I was going to invite someone to come and stand right here and make them this offer, that they could have the $100 bill if they were able to pick one up with each hand at the exact same moment. Obviously, the point being, it is impossible to do two opposing things at the same time. Now the only reason I didn't do that is really because I don't I don't trust my wisdom enough that you might not have figured out how to get my two hundred dollars. I was just there's a bit of me that goes, man, what if they could? So I I didn't I didn't do it. We just talked about it. A divided heart, a divided mind. It cannot accomplish anything. You, You. couldn't get one of them until you made the choice of which one you're going to go after. That's the only way. James 1, 5 to 8, he says this. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. Stop. i got to stop there. This is important. If you ask God to become a better man or woman, if you ask God to grow in righteousness, he will not He will not look at you. He will not examine your sin. He will not examine where you are. He will give it. That's what without reproach means. He will not require anything from you. He will not hold anything against you. If you ask for wisdom, God will give it to you. If you ask for righteousness, He will give it to you. But let Him ask in faith. With no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If anyone... did, Did you hear what this... God will give it to anyone. you can't receive it if you're divided. He will give it to anyone. But you are unable to receive it if you have a divided heart. Unstable, moving. Day two assignment that's on the back there, if you want to do it, James 4, 1 through 10. Go read that. Think about that. Think about being undivided. But that concept of, of being unstable leads us to the, to the last point. And this actually is a word. I did look it up. Unshifting. Unshifting. You have to be grounded, rooted, secured, held. All of those words are used in the Bible to describe what our faith is supposed to be. And if there was any way of describing it, it would be unshifting. The winds can blow, the waves can crash, nothing will move us. We are planted, secure, solid. Listen, we, you can build the most secure bridge, you can build the most powerful bridge ever known to man, but if the ground underneath it moves... It won't stand. You're only as strong as the thing you are built upon. You can only maintain your integrity if you are founded and rooted in Christ. So in Matthew 7, Jesus speaks of this. He says, uh, Matthew 7, 24 to 27, Everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them, My grandfather told me the story of after World War II when he was doing construction work. And he was out on a site and he noticed, I don't know if it had rained or I guess it had snowed, something had happened and he had noticed that, that a, a bit of the dirt underneath one of the corners of this building had been removed, washed away, something had happened so that it wasn't supported underneath it. And so he went to his supervisor and he said, he said, we have a corner that is unsupported. We need to backfill it. We need to get something down in there. And he said, that idiot told me to grab ice and snow and pack the hole. Now, I'm a young kid. Even at that point, I knew that that was pretty stupid. He said, I argued with him, and he told me if I didn't want to lose my job, I would pack it in. So he did. Packed up underneath that foundation all the ice that he could find, all of the snow, and then they covered it with dirt. And he said later, he went by it one time, and I don't remember how long it was after, But on both sides of that corner were cracks that went up the sides of the building because there was no support underneath it. Guys, you're building a life. Is it going to withstand? It will if it's built on Christ's rock, the rock that Christ is. If it's built on him, The day three reading assignment, you'll see there is Isaiah 41, 8 through 13. I want you to think about those if you're willing to, about being rooted and grounded. I want to end, I want to end by reading this last passage. Uh, Melissa, if we can go to the last one, Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord. It begins with what? Power. If you want power in the Lord, and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to do what? Stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that evil day and having done all to stand firm. That is integrity. God has placed his divine power in every single person who has accepted Jesus in this room. Every one of you. He has given you the authority to exercise power on his behalf. He has increased your ability, your capacity to do so. He has supplied all the energy you need in order to see these things occur. Now He has done His part. He has done everything that He is able to do. There is now only one thing that stands in the way, and that is whether or not you and I decide to be people of integrity. Christians, if you want to unleash the power of God, chip off that corrosion, and you set your mind on things above, you feed yourself with righteousness and goodness and holiness, I'm not saying that we don't make mistakes, we fall back in, that's not the point, that old self doesn't go away till we're, till we're gone, until this body's gone, but we don't have to feed it, and we don't have to make it stronger, we can starve it. you are not a Christian. If you have not accepted Christ, you do not have access to this power. The Holy Spirit works on the lives of those who are unbelievers, but he works in the life of the followers of Christ. That power is offered by him. I don't want to have an appearance of godliness and be empty of power. I pray that God comes and purifies us, builds us with integrity. Let's stand and we're going to sing our song of invitation. If there's any need that you have, anything.